How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Harrison Fagan. We are recording in the afternoonish, and the Lakers uh, are on an off day today. So we kind of figured let's let's tackle a subject that I don't think can be tackled without you know its its own podcast. And what we're going to talk about today is D'Angelo Russell and the narratives that can, that surround him. Are they misperceptions? Are they just, you know, purely perceived uh, narratives? You know, basically we're going to go down this list. We asked for your guys' uh, two cents on these, and we really appreciate those who responded. Before we get into any of it, though, make sure you're following the show at Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's Fast Break. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers for SeatGeek and Mac Weldon and Lakers10 for BetDSI.com. Harrison, are, are you ready for this? Yeah, I think I'm as ready as I'm going to. I think both, both you and I looked up way too many stats about this heading into the show. So we're going to have to try and mix up stats with our own observations, even at the risk of making ourselves look dumb when the numbers don't reflect what we're seeing. Yep. Yeah, I'm perfectly okay with looking dumb because there's no other way that i can look uh before we went on the air harrison thought that a lot of our fans would wouldn't be all that surprised if they found out i was chewing on a steak bone during shows so and i couldn't even disagree that was the worst part <laughs> like i was just <laughs> like uh, okay yeah it's probably true another right. strong intro to the show <laughs> so we're gonna start this one with the, the the first one that everybody responded with, we have uh, – oh, who is it? The first one that, that said it, we have uh, that D'Angelo Russell is not a true point guard. We had, I would say, oh, the, six the best, people. The best one. Yeah, we had about six people respond with that one. So uh, thanks to those who responded with it. We, we have broadcasters this year that have talked about D'Angelo Russell is not a true point guard. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Lakers had a coach last year who I think felt that way. <laughs> and, it, and it makes it all the dumber when it still comes up. So, uh, Harrison, you, you uh, jumped the gun and started tweeting out stats that you were finding out. So let's go ahead and, and hear these stats. Why? Go ahead and give us the stats first, and then we'll get into like what it might actually mean when people talk about a true point guard. 
Yeah, so this one is special for those of you that don't think Russell is a true point guard or that he doesn't pass enough or whatever. He leads the Lakers in, uh, let me take a, passes made, assists, free throw assists, secondary assists, potential assists, and assist points created. Mm-hmm. So, like quite a few things. He, he's averaging 47.8 passes per game. Uh, he's assisting on .6 free throws per game. secondary assists per game. He's averaging 9.5 potential assists per game, which basically measures passes that could have led to an assist, which kind of reflects the eye test that I think most of us had had of Lakers bigs can't catch. Guys aren't making shots when he passes to them sometimes. Things like that. The the secondary assist thing also backs up our takeaway from last night is that a lot of the time he's making the pass that leads to the pass. uh, The pass. Mm -hmm. And leading the team in assist points created is also not really all that surprising. So, Anthony, I I guess, I mean, what's your take? I, I think we both just think that this misconception is totally wrong, right? The Lakers are a better passing team when Russell is on the floor. Well, all right, so that's why I wanted to get into what, when people say, like, what is a true point guard, right? It's it's one of the most annoying cliches in all of sports, I would say. And it's this idea that, you know, a, a true point guard can assist and only assist, and that's it. You know, they 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 tend to be of a certain that's why Rajon Rondo is the best point guard in the league yeah yeah but they they I, I don't know when, when I hear like true point guard it's it's you know typically unathletic can't shoot uh plays really hard though is a is a heads up kind of player and and yeah coach's I, son. it's the coach's son yeah and and so <laughs> I D'Angelo Russell is none of these and it's and it's a good thing he isn't too and that's when people lob that criticism out there, I'd I'd honestly say like, yeah, that's that's probably true, and I would say he welcomes it as well. He's not the true point guard because the the definition of a true point guard has has completely evolved over the course of of the NBA uh, history. So, no, for those who were saying that, okay, sure, you're right, but you're right in. About you're also kind of wrong. Yeah, you're 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 right in about the as wrong a sense as you can possibly be, while also having some sense semblance of being right. So, uh, but the I do want to talk about the stats there and the stats that you just gave there are taking place even while D'Angelo Russell is managing less of the offense than we thought heading into the year. So like for those who, you know, and we can kind of segue directly into the assist numbers here, which was the next criticism that he doesn't necessarily uh, compile enough assists. He's doing this under a different role than many people thought he would have to play. You know, a lot of people thought he was going to be the Steph Curry to, to the Lakers, uh, version of Golden State South, and I would say that he's managed what he's what he's been given so far about as well as somebody could hope. Yeah, I'd say so too. the The other thing is that he has the highest assist percentage on the team among guys that are playing a consistent role. So not Calderon and not Huertas, who have played a pretty limited sample size. 
but he's assisting on 27.8% of the Lakers' baskets while he's on the floor. That's by far, like, the next closest guy is Julius Randle at 20.7. So, again, this idea that he doesn't assist enough or that he's not assisting enough while he's on the floor is just insane to me. They, They just, the ball moves better while he's out there. You just have to watch the Lakers when Lou Williams is playing in D'Angelo Russell's stead to see how much better the offense flows when him and Randall are out there. All right, yeah, so we, the, the, we had some minor dog emergency stuff going, so I had, to, uh, we had to step away for a second. But the point Harrison was making just a second ago was, or the, the point that we'll put a, we'll put a bow on to, to finish, is this idea that, again, D'Angelo Russell doesn't assist enough, and it, it, should, it just— Just all the numbers debunk that. There, yeah. there's, no, there's not really a number supporting that right now. Well, the only number that supports it is his actual assist numbers. Right. Yeah, which are I I I think off the top of my head he's probably around five a game, you know maybe maybe four, uh, and you know for a point guard again in the in the in the traditional sense that's pretty low, right? You would think that a starting point guard four point six per game, yeah, just uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. you would you would think that a, a starting point guard for a pretty explosive offense would be assisting at a higher rate if you're just using the counting stat. But again, and and I understand it. This is going to get into the analytics, you know, calculus versus just watching uh, the box score in the traditional sense discussion. And I understand that, you know, the the stats that Harrison and I are are reciting are, you know, they're tougher to come by. uh, They're tougher to make sense of. and, And all of that... But if you're going to make sweeping, sweeping judgments of a player, then I, I would hope you'd want to do that with as much context as possible, right? <laughs> and with this one where, yes, the counting stat by itself tells you that one thing is going on, but all of the other information that is available to fans says otherwise. And is one factoid better than another i would actually say yes i would say that statistics that offer more context tend to tell a better story than just the straight assist numbers and i would hope that eventually uh eventually you know people will start getting a little bit more educated before they 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 jump with into mentions with with these points yeah and i also think i mean there are times where maybe he should look to pass a little bit more. Sometimes he's prone to taking heat checks, which I think we're going to get into a little bit here at some point. Mm-hmm. But he overall, I just I don't know how you can have too large of an issue with his passing again at 20, at 20 years old. He's 20 years old, learning the point guard position, the hardest position to learn in the NBA. And uh, I think considering all of that context, I'd say he's doing pretty well for himself. Yeah, and also considering those who are probably criticizing D'Angelo Russell the most are ex-Kobe fans. (laughs) And if you're going to criticize players for heat checks after rooting so vehemently and, and emotionally as people did for Kobe's heat checks, then we should maybe check ourselves a little bit. Next tidbit here uh, in in the series of, of misperceptions, or, or sometimes, here's the other thing too. If Harrison and I come across a narrative that we can't debunk, 
then we'll perfectly I'm perfectly happy copying to the fact that yes, D'Angelo Russell has steps to make in his game. So not all of these are necessarily uh, breaking news. D'Angelo Russell is not a perfect player yet. Insane. Uh, but this this next one I would say is one of those that fall into this category, uh, and it's and it's about his immaturity. And again, we had a bunch of people mention the immaturity. And here's the thing. I think it's a fair criticism. I, I, I'll add to that, though, that find me a, a completely mature 20-year-old. <laughs> and, and you'll be looking at your first completely mature 20-year-old. Well, hey, man, actually, the numbers may surprise you on this one. According to <laughs> NBA.com. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, uh, hey, well, no, actually, according to NBA.com, there are zero stories of D'Angelo Russell uh, record uh, recording a teammate without their knowledge this year. So improvement. I don't know maturity. Yeah, feel like there's some growing maturity there. So, mm-hmm. but I, I'll also say though, like non facetiously, a lot of the stories that are coming out from around the Lakers is that he is more mature this year, and that's that. That's how this was always going to work out. Is that the hope was, you know, or the criticism was he was an immature 19 year old last year. There's a good chance he's an immature 20-year-old still, but the hope is that he's more mature now than he was last year, and as his career goes along, he continues to learn from mistakes. Again, you you, you want to look back at Kobe's career. Imagine the response if D'Angelo Russell ended a playoff game. I Was it a playoff series even? I think it might yeah, have been. Yeah, it was a playoff series. He ended a playoff. Kobe ended a playoff series with three straight air balls <laughs> like if twitter was around for that kobe probably he probably there's a lot there's an uphill battle that he'd be fighting that that i it would have been pretty tough to overcome frankly we don't uh, even have to we we don't even have to get into hypotheticals d'angelo russell airballed a potential game winner in a regular season game one time last week mm-hmm. and people lost their shit <laughs> yeah yeah there was there was an article there was an article from oh man uh kurt Heelan's site he said watch d'angelo russell airball a game-winning shot and it's like man that's pretty brutal <laughs> you know yeah well hey bunch... no i mean i'm all for laughing at game win at potential game winning airballs that's you know like mm-hmm. like i i'd i'd make some jokes or whatever if it was a team that wasn't the lakers so i mean you can you, people are going to get their jokes off and that's fine mm-hmm. but it, and yeah so he still has a ways to go in like a lot of areas but i don't think that we have to Go to hypotheticals to figure out if people would have criticized Kobe for airballing stuff. I mean, we see it. We see him get criticized for a lot less. Yep, absolutely. So again, and and we're gonna try to move through these as as we as quickly as we can because there are a few to get to. But the the immaturity thing, it's completely intangible, and it's one of those things that I don't think we'll notice as it's happening. We'll just get to a place a couple years from now where we say. Wow, look at the strides this kid has made in the time he's been in the NBA. Because, again, when he entered the NBA, he was a kid. And he remains a kid now. When I was 20 years old, heck, I was nursing a hangover yesterday. I'm 30. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I'm still a dummy. When I was 20 years old, I was even dumber. You know, and and the and the hope is that as my life has gone along, I've become more mature. and, And I would say the same thing is going to happen with D'Angelo Russell. 
Yeah, I mean, thinking of how I would have dealt with reporters every single day as a 19-year-old is just a nightmare that we don't need to get into. (laughs) Absolutely. I probably, even if I was as good as D'Angelo Russell, I probably would have been cut by the Lakers at (laughs) midseason for some type of comment that I made. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone well because you 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 have kind of a dry sense of humor and that's yeah. Like, Co- uh, Kobe would have probably literally killed me. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, hypothetical Harrison Fagan. Yeah, that was good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Super hypothetical. All right. Yeah. So the next one that we're gonna get to, uh, and again, we've already covered whether or not he's a true point guard. We've covered his immaturity. The next one is. <laughs> Oh, there's my dog chiming in again. Uh, hey, so the, the the our bet on whose dog was going to bark first when we recorded a midday show, you lost that one. Yep, I, I owe you. I owe your you dog, dog lacks treat. maturity. <laughs> she, I think she is younger than yours. She is. Um, all right, so the next one is he's slow and lacks athleticism. That one, I believe, we specifically got from somebody. Um, here we go. Way to have these pulled up, boss. I, I, man, they they came in pretty quickly. Oh, here we go. At Mark, that's why I, yeah, that's why I wanted to say it out. Did you just have an aneurysm? No, it's it's M. It's at Mark with three Ks, which uh, I'd be careful with, and it ends with an F. Oh, okay. Uh, well, thank you, Mark. Uh And so I I think that that is a little bit of a misconception, at least. It's not like the Lakers have the fastest guards or the fastest team in the league. But Russell actually averages the second highest average speed while out on the court this year at 4.4 miles per hour. He's a little bit. He actually leads the team on offense 4.89 miles per hour in terms of speed and drops off a little bit defensively to. Uh, around middle of the team at 3.92 miles per hour. So that kind of gets into the whole he's not necessarily the best or most active defender yet. But uh, to say that he's just horribly slow, I think, is just wrong. I I think he plays with pace a lot of the time. I don't think that he's the best athlete in the NBA by any means. But he's not. uh, it's not like he's a turtle out there. So I think it comes down to a couple things. One, he's bigger than most point guards. I yes, mean, I, that's I would, also true. I'd say probably all starting point guards. I'd say he's probably the biggest starting point guard in the NBA. And, Other than Giannis Adetokounmpo. Uh, that's true. That's true. That freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, other than other than the seven footer running point for the Bucks, he's like he's one of the biggest point guards in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Other than that guy, but the so with with Russell, the, him being as big as he is and as long as he is means he can get away with being slower than the average point guard, right? So like if you when I I remember watching Earl Boykins when he was in the NBA and he was like five whatever, or if you watch Isaiah Thomas nowadays out there in Boston. You watch those guys, and it looks like they just have constant turbo button at all times. It's just it's insane to watch. It's a lot of fun to watch because it's this whirling dervish of athleticism and skill and this and that and the other. Uh, and then you you watch D'Angelo Russell, and it isn't that you know. And then also he's a little bit more choosy about kind of using what, however, exactly as much speed as he needs to to get to the spot he wants to get to. Which is insane considering he's twenty and he's kind of sort of figured that out already. Yeah. Uh, but I and then the other the other half to to I think where this misconception comes from is 
you look at the athleticism around the league, like we just talked about a seven foot tall starting point guard. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts, you know? And then we, and then, you know, you get into the Russell Westbrooks, you get into the old Derrick Roses, you, you know, it's unreal the amount of athleticism that has made its way into the NBA. And you look at Russell and he isn't that right. So you combine the perception, you know, the eye test of he's not going to, he doesn't have to go as fast as other guys. And then you look at how fast other guys do go. And to be fair, I don't think he's as fast as those other guys. Oh, of course not. Doesn't need to be. No, of course not. I I wanted to be clear here. Mm -hmm. He's, he's not as fast as those guys. He just doesn't necessarily need to be. And he's never going to be as fast as those guys. Exactly. He's never going to be Usain Bolt out there. Right. And, and, but again, there are multiple ways to win a basketball game, whereas there aren't multiple ways to win a race like Usain Bolt does, right? Like if <laughs> it's not like a sprinter can decide, yeah, I'm going to pick my spot here and then take over. And, and Well, actually, Usain Bolt, there's that famous picture of him looking back and <laughs> kind of true. smiling. As, so he can pick his spots, but he's literally the fastest man to ever exist. Yeah. So if you're not that, <laughs> uh, speed is not a pick your spot sport. Yeah, and and in basketball there is pick your spot guys. You look at you look at the Chris Pauls. Like I I thoroughly enjoy watching Chris Paul play point guard because he's so tremendous at getting to his spots. And if you're gonna if you're going to look for a career arc of playing style, D'Angelo Russell is going to be a lot closer to Chris Paul in terms of playing style, not not quality. They both do love to put guys in jail, get them on their hips like that. Mm-hmm. And and D'Angelo Russell is is going to. Breaking Anthony Irwin thinks D'Angelo Russell is going to be a taller Chris Paul. Aggregate that. <laughs> take take that one. Uh, so, but he's going to be a lot closer to that than he'll ever be to to the Russell Westbrooks to the Isaiah Thomases because those yeah, guys we, are just insane got athletes. Into we kind of got into that the other day. Different guys have different strengths, and that's okay. The it's It goes to the versatility of the league and all the different ways. There's no one way to succeed in basketball. You can succeed in different ways. Westbrook wouldn't be as good if he tried to play the same way that D'Angelo Russell would, just like that D'Angelo Russell does. Just like D'Angelo Russell wouldn't be as good if he was trying to all these crazy pell-mell tornado drives to the hoop. Like everybody's good at what they're good at. Absolutely. And and I, I tried to find combine stats so that we could go about this actually concretely, and, and I couldn't find any, uh, which was probably smart on his part because he wasn't going to blow anybody away with, you know, vertical or 40 time or anything like that. Yeah, probably not. <clears throat> All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next one here. Uh, this one is actually I, I hadn't planned on getting to this one, but it's from at Freddington, P-H-R-E-D-I. G-T-O-N. Oh, Fred with a PH. All yeah, right. This is why I wanted because I, I actually had an aunt. My every everybody in my family, my friends call me Fred, spelled obviously F R E D. I had an aunt spell my name uh, P H R E D on a, on a gift one time. Uh, sorry to put you on blast like that, Aunt Auntie, but that's hilarious. Uh, but at Freddington at, says he needs to run through screens better. So this kind of gets to the defense that you were talking about in the last uh, segment that we just had. I, there again, just like with the immaturity thing. Yes, he needs to get better at handling screens. Yes, he, he, he's eighth on the Lakers in terms of the speed he's moving on defense. Do you want to know who's ahead of him? Oh no! <laughs> now some of these are small sample size, so we have to acknowledge that. But 
It's uh, Jose Calderon, Marcelo Huertas, <laughs> Timofey Mozgov, <laughs> Larry Nance Jr. Okay, I'll accept yeah, that, that one. Sense. That one's fine. Thomas Robinson doesn't always have a plan when he's running around on defense, but uh-huh. yeah, that that one I'd buy. Jordan Clarkson, totally acceptable and expected. Avica Zubac. Oh no. <laughs> Now, again, that also illustrates that this is not a perfect stat for showing defensive ability, but... But that's not, that's not that's, a great that's look. Not, that's not great. No. Uh, if I was... So remember, remember when Dwight Howard walked in and he was... What was it? The assist or something like that? Yeah, it was he was showing people... No, he was showing people how many touches he got. Yeah, how many right. shots. Like Zubots, Zubots needs to walk in holding a paper with this stat and... Show it to Russell. He actually <laughs> hilariously has the same average defensive speed as Jordan Clarkson, three point nine nine miles per hour. That's incredible. You go out, you do your thing, Zubots. He's gonna be so. What, we're, yeah, seriously. So obviously, he's gonna be switching onto wings in no time. Yeah, so obviously he's going to be first team all defense by the end of his uh, by the end of his career. Yeah, if Luke Walton would just play him, SMH Fire Luke. <laughs> Shout out to Engines. Yep. Uh, so yes, I, again, just like with the immaturity thing and, and the point of this podcast isn't to, you know, to show up and stand, there is no way to debunk this. He needs to handle defense as a whole better and his screen technique isn't, isn't phenomenal either. Leaves a lot to be desired most yes. of the time. It's yes. like you and I were kind of joking about on yesterday's podcast with about Tony Allen. It, it looked like brilliant defensive game planning from the Lakers to let him shoot threes. I'm not totally convinced that that wasn't just Russell not being aware of his man. That's I, I would say it's more likely the latter than the former. Yeah. And right. so, hey, like, he has things to work on. He's 20 years old. That's going to happen. So some of these are not totally without merit. Mm-hmm. All right. So, oh, okay. There's uh, Here's one who I think took this a little too literally. Um, oh, no, never mind. He's, he's uh, no, I take that back. This one was definitely too seriously. At uh, do a dot, he's already the man in his mind, but hasn't done the work to be there yet. And that gets back to the maturity thing. And this was a point that I'm just going to make really, really quickly. Okay. Prove that he isn't the man on the Lakers. Uh, well, according to NBA.com, I'm just kidding again. <laughs> well, uh, like, if so, it's it's between him I'm, and Randall. I would say right now, right? And and yeah. we've already we've already talked about you know the way the Lakers are bringing up the the kids collectively, and and I still maintain that position, but. When Kobe left, the idea was going to be that, yeah, D'Angelo Russell was going to be the guy now. And uh, I would say that if you put yourself in a position to be that guy at 19, 20 years old, you've done some things right in your life. So right now, yeah, right now, it's it's like you said, it's going to be him. It's looking like personality wise, it's going to be him or Randall, because that's not Ingram's personality. That's not Clarkson's personality. Larry Nance Jr. is like the like I could see him running for political office at some point after his career is over. But he's just not the type of player that's going to be the leader of the team because he's not generally you have to be close to the best player on the team. And I don't see his ceiling as being quite that. And that's fine. He's going to be a really good role player, I think. Mm -hmm. But so I think it's down to Randall or Russell. And I think it's worth noting that the Lakers have their highest win percentage of any player that's played, you know, a significant amount of games uh, with Russell in the lineup. They're 10 and 15 when he plays. And that's like significantly better than anyone else to really play that high of a sample size. Yep. 
All right, so uh, we'll go to the next one here. This is from at iTunes Speaks. Uh, he settles for content, uh, contested jumpers too much instead of either trying to draw the foul or get to the basket. Now, this is something that I kind of I did some digging for because uh, just like you with the passing, I, I actually was interested in, in how this would, would come about. Uh, in terms of pull-up jumpers, he takes the most on the Lakers. He takes uh, 6.7 pull-up jumpers per game. That is one of the least surprising stats I've heard this year. That does not surprise me even a little bit. Yeah, and and he's followed up fairly quickly by uh, Jordan Clarkson and Lou Williams. Lou Williams is at 5.3, and Jordan Clarkson is at 4.6. But I I think it comes down to, or that comes back to, the 6.7 number that D'Angelo Russell was at. Uh, that comes back to how much he has the ball. Right? He's 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 going to he's and going he, to take that many shots. He's one of the only guys, and you mentioned the other ones that really have the freedom or the skill set to be taking a whole lot of pull up jumpers. Now, and uh, okay. I I don't know that they're always the best shots. He has been. We've talked about this. Been prone to heat checks at times. When he he had one last night in the first quarter after he hit his first couple threes where he just dribbled in and immediately just took one <laughs> so uh, I mean he's going to do that and that you know I, I think guys with his level of confidence that's going to happen and I'm not surprised at all that he's leading the team in pull-up jumpers what I would say is I want to get into the semantics of too many how many are too many well so here's the thing so he's shooting so of those 6.7 per game he's shooting about half of those are three-pointers and he's shooting 30.5% on those shots. So until that percentage yeah, uh, that's starts coming up a little bit, I'd like to see that. I'd see that number get you know closer to two pull-up three-pointers per game. Yeah. Uh, in general, he shoot, he's shooting 32.3% on pull-up jumpers. And what I do think is, so when he's playing at his best, like you said, he puts players in jail and he kind of reverse walks them into the key, right? Where the player is on his back, and he kind of reverse posts them into... Let's be real. The player... So, well, let's be really descriptive here since this is an audio format. The player is on his butt. He's using his butt to keep the player from the ball. Yep, his butt, his off arm, all those things. And and he gets into the key, and he forces the defense either to, to rotate to him at the free throw line, and if they don't, he'll shoot up like a, a floater or some kind of pull-up jumper there. Or he'll just keep on going, force the defense to come up to him, and when they do come up to him, he'll find somebody on the baseline, you know, either Mozgov or, or Randall or whomever it might be, to uh, to finish that play there. That's when he's playing at his absolute best when he keeps it simple, and he and he just you know presents himself those couple options. What I don't like seeing is, like I said, that the as soon as he turns the corner and instead of you know if the if the other defensive player on the uh who's guarding the screener doesn't step out fast enough he just fires away from there i'd actually like to see him push the envelope a little bit more and force that defender to have to guard him on the perimeter that's where he opens up a few more passing lanes not just to his screener but you know if if you get a switch situation that's going to be inherently it's going to inherently occur where the team that the other team defenders uh feels the need to help and that's where he'll be able to do that so i'd say i'd like to see the number 6.7 i'd like to see that if that's going to stay the same fine but i'd like to see more two point shots than three point shots 
Yeah, I, I think that's fine. And I, I think he could also probably do just to cut down on them a little bit in general to be more efficient. And mm-hmm. that's the type of shot selection stuff that will you would hope come as he gets older. It's never a guarantee, but I would imagine that will get better. And then and then the getting to the free throw line is also a good point because he is he is capable of getting to the to the free throw line. He is pretty good at doing that harden moving swing through where he puts his arm into the defender and tries to get up, you know, and and, and uh, you know, occasionally gets the call, but as of right now, he isn't James Harden and he's not always going to get that that superstar call. And then my last point on this was how good he is at the at the spot up shooting. And this is where I'd like to see Luke make a couple adjustments with the guys that D'Angelo Russell is playing with. D'Angelo Russell is shooting 50% on on spot up jumpers. And that's really good. Uh threes especially he is shooting whoop that's not great. I had it in front of me and it is no longer in front of me, but he is shooting uh like I said 50% from from just in general and then his threes if that lets me load. Yeah, he's shooting 50% on threes on spot up shooting. Good and, lord. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so never mind, he never needs the ball in his hands again. Just have him spot up. Well, he's a I, shooting guard. <laughs> 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 Everybody who's yelled at, at us uh has been right but yeah we just, we just threw away the entire 30 minutes of this podcast <laughs> turns out he's ray allen our bad so he's uh i the lineup that i'd like to see him in is him at the point obviously young at the two ingram at the three randall at the four and then your choice at the five uh it doesn't matter to me who plays the five there but the reason i like nick as uh, another shooter is because he's just another shooter to have out there, so he's going to help with spacing. And like you said, he's shooting better than basically anybody in the NBA. Yeah, Nick Young, is he's shooting 44.9% on threes, and that's the best rate in the NBA among guys that take more than 170. So among high-volume three-point shooters, he's shooting by, like by far the best. Or not by far, but he's shooting the best, which is... It, that that's insane. Yeah, and and so because of that, you have to have him on the court as much as you can while while the shooting continues like that. So, and I can't believe I just said that about Nick Young. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been a weird year. <laughs> but I I like having Ingram on the court because Ingram can handle the pick and roll. I like having Randall on the court for the same reason, and that allows D'Angelo Russell to kind of give up what was happening last night. Uh, was he was giving the ball up fairly early in the set and then just kind of running around screens with Nick Young. And it was creating havoc all over the place where they run the set and and, uh, Coach Pete will know the the name of the set better than I can. But it's basically, it's two guys running the baseline. One guy winds up on one corner. The other guy winds up on another corner, you know, using screens uh, that that then present themselves to to the ball handler as that's going on. And last night, the Lakers ran that three times in a row and made three threes in a row in a, in a pretty key stage in the game. And you're not able to do that if Nick Young isn't shooting his, the ball as well as he is. And if D'Angelo Russell continues to shoot the balls, I, I don't think he's going to shoot 50% for, you know, in that situation for his whole life. But as of now, you got you to gotta ride the hot hand as you can. Yeah, and I think that those are, even if they aren't shooting 50%, those are still good looks. Yes. Even if they're shooting 40%, you know, or even 35%, if it's a three, that's still fine. Yeah, no, anything above 33% 
is more efficient than or as efficient as somebody shooting 50% from two. Yeah, and th- they were doing all that last night against the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the best defense in the league. Yep, uh, best three-point defense in the league. Isn't... Well, best. Oh, are they the best three-point defense as well? I know that they have the best defensive rating in the league. Oh, I thought I had heard. It doesn't matter. Either way, it's still yeah. impressive. Either way, we're talking about Russell today, so my yep. bad. Uh, so unless you have anything in to add on on this on the types of shots that he's getting, I, I think we put a good. No, I think you pretty much hit every single thing. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry for just reading reciting stats at everybody. I, this this next one will that the last one that we're going to do is is going to be less stat heavy, and it's that he he commits too many lazy turnovers. Uh, I'll let you take it because I talked so much last segment. Yeah, so Russell is turning over the ball on 12.9% of his possessions, which isn't that great. He he has an assist to turnover ratio of 21.1 or so, sorry, assist to turnover ratio of 1.63, which is improved from where it was early in the season, but you want to see that a little bit closer to 2 at least. And I I mean, the thing about the lazy turnovers is I, I don't know sometimes what we're defining as lazy. Is, is it when, you know, when a guy doesn't catch the ball, when he throws a pass, you know, and the defense closes and steals it? I don't always know that. But I do think that his decision-making does need I, – I agree that his decision-making on some of those plays needs to improve. Sometimes when he's trying to whip the ball across his body, across the court, you know, that's just – it's not going to work at the NBA level for the most part unless you're LeBron or, or unless the guy's wide open because those gaps close too quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of these turnovers, it gets back to what we always talk about with the creativity tax that is higher on younger players. They have to learn what they can and can't get away with. And point guards that get a lot of assists, unless they're Chris Paul, are always going to average a decent amount of turnovers. But that that number is going to be higher for young players that are still figuring out what they can and can't get away with. So I'm going to list <clears throat> I'm going to list players in the NBA that the top turnover getters in the NBA, okay? James Harden leads everybody with 204. I would say that Houston isn't complaining. Per game? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I would say that Houston fans though aren't going to complain too much about James Harden's play so far. I'd say that I think that's fair to assume. Not a true point guard. <laughs> uh, Russell Westbrook is next at 187. John Wall, 143. LeBron James, 115. Eric Bledsoe, 113. Dennis Schroeder at 105. Lowry at 100. DeMarcus Cousins at 100. Giannis Antetokounmpo at 97. Steph at 96. Jeff Tigg at Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and he's tied with Goran Dragic and... Devin Booker, and finally we get to our first Laker, who isn't even D'Angelo Russell. Julius Randle has 91. So when when we're putting all this into uh, context, and Julius Randle... Not a bad list of players either, I think we should just acknowledge. Yes, yes, and that's where it gets back to, it's not just a creativity tax on young players. I would say that turnovers are kind of a flawed stat because it's a creativity uh, tax on whoever has the ball the most. Yes, you look at you look at all those guys. Russell Westbrook's usage is way higher than anybody else on the Thunder. John Wall, probably the same. It's close, maybe with with uh, Beal, Bradley Beal. But then LeBron always has the ball. Bledsoe always has the ball. Schroeder, same thing. And you just kind of go down uh, the list there. I would say all of those guys except for Schroeder. 
Bledsoe, Booker, and Drogic and Tig. Everybody on that list there has some kind of and, – and Randall, I would say too. Everybody else on that list has some kind of claim to being an all-star this year. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm fine. That's why you know it depends on the on the turnover. And you talked about lazy turnovers, quote unquote lazy turnovers. It's a subjective stat, and just in general, he he is kind of lackadaisical with the ball. So he just he looks really calm out there. So mm-hmm. it looks it's like we've talked about before. It looks cool when he's hitting shots. It looks like he's just effortlessly destroying these defenses. But when he commits a turnover, it looks like he's not trying hard enough. Yeah, and and so uh, I I just went and found D'Angelo Russell's total turnovers this year. If we're just using the counting stat, and he's only at seventy one. He has missed quite a few games, though. That's true. That's also just, that's that's a good we, point. we should acknowledge that. That's that's a that's a really good caveat. So that would probably be higher, but I still don't think he even in the in the turnovers. Like if you were to average out his turnovers point per game, like I don't think he'd be higher too much higher than Julius Randle at ninety one. Well, I know he's turning the ball over on a lower percentage of his possessions than Julius Randle is. Yeah, so I would say the the, the turnover stat, again, I, I've never really liked counting turnovers because the guys who tend to lead the league in them tend to be probably the league's best players. That's like, why I think turnover – that's why I, I keep going back to turnover percentages mm-hmm. because I think that that's a better – that that's a better way to measure it because it's how much it's how much you have the it's how much you're turning the ball over based on how much you have the ball and because even, it it accounts for uh, your usage a little bit better than just raw turnovers do well and even then though like there are different kinds of turnovers you yeah know? so like if if James Harden is trying to throw a pocket pass that could directly lead to a basket if it gets through there. And because basketball is a game of inches and it takes a funny bounce off the court, maybe it doesn't bounce as high as he anticipates it and the defender gets a hand on it there. There's just so much to take into account here that, again, turnovers to me just – I've never really – I if if we're going to keep track of turnovers, then we should also you know do so with the context of they aren't necessarily always a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, if really, if we learned anything from that list, it's that D'Angelo Russell should be trying to get more turnovers. <laughs> and that wraps up the show. So, uh, no, I, I would, I would, I would tend to agree. I'd like to see him push. It, it was funny. This isn't the same uh, context, or this isn't the same conversation. But I enjoy watching Brandon Ingram push his body in ways that he hasn't, you know, that he hadn't done so previously in the season or in his career. And when I see him, you know, if he takes off from maybe a step further than he would normally like to and he doesn't get all the way to the basket, I'm okay with it because that tells me he's comfortable enough to experiment out there. And with D'Angelo Russell, if he has the pick and roll and he throws a lob to Tarek Black that maybe misses by a couple inches, I'm okay with it because, again, if it's a couple inches lower, that's two points. So, yeah. And that's that's the only way you learn, really, is you make these mistakes and then you look at them on film. Yep, absolutely. And and at least we know D'Angelo Russell isn't Russell Westbrook and, and actually watches film. film. <laughs> so so that's probably good. Um. All right, that does it for all of the narratives surrounding D'Angelo Russell. I'm I'm hesitant to call them misconceptions or perceived misconceptions. I went with the term narrative there because. 
not all of them are misconceptions. There are aspects of his game that need to get better. This was fun, though. This was, I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, as much as we did, not only talking about it, but putting this stuff together, like actually researching this was kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it kind of came across for you guys as well. Absolutely. So uh, enjoy this one. We have one more show to wrap up with this week. Uh, We're hoping that it's a pretty good guest. It still looks like it's still on. Uh, If not, it doesn't matter. Harrison and I will find something to talk about. We'll Uh, just we'll do impressions of somebody famous and we'll 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 just tell you guys it's that famous person. Should I just do like an entire show in Mitch voice? Yeah, that's definitely I, I think we should definitely do that. That's right. that's our backup option. Yeah, I'm just gonna need like seventy three glasses of water. <laughs> it's not it's not great for the voice. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so we will talk to everybody manana. Again, I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you did enjoy it, uh I'll I have no problem, you know, deep diving into various players on, on the Lakers. I would say that my favorite thing about the Lakers is how intricate the analysis kind of has to be to put them in proper context. It's yeah, not... it's hard because they aren't a winning team. It's easy when a team is winning, mm-hmm. but it's less easy to find the good things when most of the stats don't look great. And and well, and and the type of players that they are, nobody you know, like Randall. I th- I would say can is most capable of wowing people with ha- with his athleticism, strength, and size, right? Uh, but everybody else on the Lakers, it, it kind of takes some digging to figure out what's really going on. And uh, it, we'll, we'll probably do a few more of these as the year goes along. All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, and people, stop tweeting at Mike Trudell that Jordan Clarkson shouldn't be eating hamburgers on his way to a plane. Jordan Clarkson can eat whatever he wants. He, Jordan Clarkson was eating a hamburger on his way to the plane? Yeah, there was like while we were recording this, some guy was saying uh, if Kobe saw that, he'd slap him. So, guys, I I, I seriously doubt that person listens to our podcast. But the, the let the Lakers dietitians worry about what they eat. Come on, have you seen some of the stuff Jordan Clarkson's capable of athletically? Jordan Clarkson is probably the most fit person I've ever interacted with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's probably not even like that's probably pretty true. <laughs> Yeah, he, that that play that he made last night with the uh, the free throw that was called back the the tip in on the free throw like that was nuts. Yeah, he he's a crazy athlete and he can eat whatever he wants. Yeah, he, enjoy enjoy that uh, enjoy that. We we went player. off the rails a little bit here at the end, but that's what we do on Locked On Lakers. Absolutely, we'll talk to everybody manana. Shouts to Jordan Clarkson, your burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.